Welcome to the future of email. I'm Dr. Matthew Dunn, founder and CEO of Campaign Genius. We help email platforms grow by giving their customers the power of real-time visual media in their email marketing. We believe that email is the critical civil media channel today for business and commerce. This podcast features the leading innovators in email marketing. Stick around to the end. I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on the Cutting Edge podcast on the future of email. Let's go. Good morning. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of the future of email marketing. And my guest this morning is Josh Francia, Chief Growth Officer at BlueShift. Josh, welcome. Thank you for taking the invitation. I'm so glad we could connect and talk. Yeah, really happy to be here. Thank you for uh, having me on. I'm excited to chat. Blue Shift. Uh, Blue Shift is growing like a rocket, but uh, some listeners may not be familiar with it. Could you outline a bit about the company for starters? Sure, absolutely. So, you know, Blue Shift was founded in uh, 2014, okay. and it was founded out of uh, a couple needs that our founders, our three founders had when they were working at uh, companies like Groupon and Walmart. Mm -hmm. And they realized as marketers and product and engineers themselves, they realized there's so much customer data at all these companies, (laughs) but it's really, really hard to access it. Really hard to access, especially if you're in the marketing or product team. It was, you know, it's fragmented out to millions of different data silos and data structures and data lakes and and those are great, but they're not, you can't figure out who is doing what. And, and it frustrated them because they're like, man, we just, if we just knew more about each customer, we can make our customer experience, our marketing so much more relevant. Mm-hmm. But we can't because it's not in one spot and it's really managed by IT and, 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 <laughs> and they've, they've kind of put it in different silos for ad hoc analysis and auditing and compliance but it's not accessible. And so they said, well, what if we change that? And this was right at the time where, where NoSQL databases started to get some attention, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, like MongoDB and Redis and Elasticsearch, which they've changed the paradigm where relational tables were the standard, yes. like the Oracles and MySQLs and whatnot. Yes. And those are great, but those are great when you want to do analysis on stuff. Yeah. Um, but they don't do a very good job of saying, well, I, I have Matthew Dunn here. Show me everything about Matthew. It's like, well, they don't really do a very good job of that. You'd have, you'd have literally thousands of columns. And so these new databases came up at the same time. VJ and Mahul Amani, our co-founders, said, well, what if we put a platform on top of these types of data structures mm-hmm. so that marketers and business-facing business users could actually access this data? Mm-hmm. And then make sense of it. And so that's what kind of the genesis of what kind of created the, the CDP, uh, which BlueShift is the customer data platform, right. which is the, the very core essence is taking that customer data, unifying it, and then making it accessible to business users inside and the company. Accessible. And and I, I've, yeah, I read a bunch of background on the company and, and your journey into the company, which I will I'll ask you about in a minute. But sure. Accessible, not in the just not just in the analytical sense, but also in the uh, in the transactional interactional sense. If you want to send a one-off email to Josh Francia, that's shaped around his interactions, his interests, his priorities. It's feasible with BlueShift. That's right. Not only is it feasible, it's purpose-built for that. Yeah. Right. So yeah. the whole idea yeah. was it's not just 
access, but it's also activation. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because we we knew and they knew when they started this, marketers have a million great ideas. The <laughs> yeah. challenge, the challenge is they can't they can't execute all those ideas because they get stuck. Hmm. Is that oh we don't have this data, we don't know about this piece of information. And so they can't make those decisions. They can't make those triggered campaigns. They can't make that personalization come to life. Mm-hmm. And so they're hindered mostly by their own uh, tech stacks internally. And right. so he said, well, there's a, there's a better way of doing that. And that was the rise of customer data platforms. And now they're all the rage, of course. And BlueShift kind of thought of that problem, not only just unifying data, which was where most customer data platforms stop. Mm-hmm. Unified data, it's mostly for analytics and then you have to kind of pipe it somewhere else to yeah, actually yeah. do yeah. the marketing, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, Blue said, wait, wait a second, that's another hop, right? Marketers don't want that. Customers don't want that. So they they created everything in one place. So unify, segment, analyze, but also execute and orchestrate. Right. So your journeys all of there in one spot. You use the your your uh, your website uses the word omni-channel. What uh, what are yes. what are the key channels so far? I'm sure there's others to come. Yeah, so I mean, it started with email and mobile push, where the okay. main two channels, and okay. those still are some of the biggest channels, right? Okay. Just because that's where a lot of consumers consume sure. media, right? Sure. Email is you know people thought email was going to die when when mobile phones came out, and not only did it not die, it actually accelerated, right? Yeah. Because yeah. email is one of the top used apps on mobile phones. Yeah. Yeah. And so email's never going away. Right. And then mobile push, obviously, as more people got apps, the mobile push became a very important thing. But then there's a lot of other channels out there that you know spend from marketing things such as paid media and you're pushing audiences to your Google or Facebook or other yeah. accounts. Okay. Or you're doing like direct mail um, programmatically through through other places. SMS is popular as well. Mm-hmm. And then it actually connects to other parts of the customer experience because you know the thought that a lot of people have is customers want a unified experience with the brand, mm-hmm. right? They want to yeah. be able to say, "Hey, when I'm talking to Apple, I don't think I'm talking to this division versus this division or this this versus this division. I'm just talking to Apple." And I want to make sure that they know who I am. They know what I've done recently and they know what I like wherever I chat with them. So whether that's a chat on their customer success or customer service page, or I call them or I go to their store, if they can identify me, they should treat me in a really good way. And so with that, we connect to like Zendesk and Salesforce. Oh, okay, cool. So the server side as well. Yeah. Your IPR. Yeah. Your website. You can do recommended content on your website. Really any endpoint. Yeah. Can you connect the journey to? And a lot of our customers, like that's the aha moment. Yeah. And they realize, oh, wait, this is more than just email and mobile and like yeah. true marketing channels. This is a unified customer journey across any touch point. POS systems, all of that can be integrated. I have, I have to... I have to laugh when you bring up Apple as an example because I'm surrounded by Apple <laughs> hardware, multiple generations of it. I'm thinking, I wonder if they know. <laughs> I yeah, wonder right, if they know right. how much of their gear I've actually bought, right. especially when you stack the family in there. Well, that um, that is a bold vision, and you're right. It is CDP the, is the rage now. But I looked at the you know looked at the roots of the company, and you you, you know you, your team started doing this. Uh, before people were slapping a label in Forrester and Gartner reports right. on on right. the sector. Now, your journey into this was from customer to exec, yeah. um, and I want to quote you back yeah. to yourself in a minute. But 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 describe that a little bit. How you ended up? Yeah, how you yeah, ended up? There. It's it's definitely a 
interesting path to where I am today. I don't think it's a very common path where, you know, a B2C marketer like myself who spent 10 years in travel at Booking Holdings and Priceline.com and then a couple of years over at LendingTree um, converted into a B2B marketer at a SaaS company. And it's nothing I would ever think I would ever do either. And it's really all around blue shift in particular, not, okay. not anything else. Okay, yeah. And the reason, the reason how I got there was, you know, when I was at, when I was in the travel world, we had the same problems, right? But this was back in, you know, 2010 and there were no solutions. And so right. like right. we had to like cobble up this concept of like, how do we do this better? And the customer data platform that word didn't even exist. And we, but we figured out the tenets of like unified profile, AI mm -hmm. algorithms, relevant content at the right time to people makes an enormous impact on their response, which then yeah, in turn yeah. makes a huge impact on your business. Mm -hmm. And so when I got to LendingTree, it was almost like we were around the clock a little bit. I remember coming in and they said, hey, we believe that we have a lot of, of revenue that's that's locked up in our in our customer base or customers mm -hmm. that we're not we're not really tapping into it. We're just scratching the surface. We feel like we do a lot more. Can you help? And I'm like, yeah, no problem. Let's go in and dig in. And I realized they had the same problems everyone else had, right? They were, they were tons of data. They had a 20-year-old company, had tons and tons of data, but they could almost use none of it beyond like yeah. first name, yeah. you know, location. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. Know? And that was it. And I was like, well, this is not very relevant to people. We keep telling people to get a mortgage. They just got a mortgage. Like this right, doesn't make right, any right, sense. Right, right, right. They're not going to get another one. And so I remember architecting out on a whiteboard with our CTO at the time. I said, here's what we need to do. And I essentially architected a single view of the customer and AI. And he, he looked at me and he said, sounds great. Please don't make me build this. <laughs> and and I, I always remember one thing he said that was so poignant was, Josh, we at LendingTree need to focus on our, our, all of our internal technology efforts need to focus on our core differentiators. Hmm. This won't be a core differentiator. We hmm. can buy something that does this. Hmm. You know, and I was like, that's really smart. And so I went did an RFP process and said, all right, who can do these five things, right? Unify the customer, do AI, push to every channel, um, make it really accessible and really fast and do it at velocity, which I think velocity is the, the nexus of scale and speed. And I would go, we can go into that in a little bit more. But so I went through that. I found 30 companies that said they could do this. I was flabbergasted because in six years from when I did it at Lenny or Priceline, I was thinking about it. No one had done it. No now one had done it, right. Years, yeah. 30 companies said they'd done it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Yeah. And they all kind of brand themselves a little bit differently. I went through all 30 and sure enough, like 25 really couldn't do anything. Okay. They were just kind of smoke and mirrors. And then the other five, you know, the other four did okay, but they missed some. Mm -hmm. And they were mostly point solutions that were trying to do a little bit more, right? Mm -hmm. They were like, a good mobile marketing platform. And they're like, oh yeah, we do single customer review. And we're like, mm, but you really don't okay. because someone needs to have a phone number and that's not a single customer review. What if I don't have a phone number, right? I can't have a profile. And and those issues kind of popped up. Blue Shift stood out, honestly, when at the very okay. beginning. I never heard of them at that point. Um, oh. They were relatively new. And I went, I went in very detailed with them. And what won me over was, not only did they think about the problem the right way, they architected the solution the right way. So they had infinite scale. And right. having broken many ESPs, many marketing platforms previously, <laughs> um, I realized that they all work really well at low volume. 
Mm -hmm. Once you start to do high volume, high complexity, Mm. many of them are not built for that. Mm -hmm. And so instead of sending emails out in two hours, you're sending emails out in three days. Right. And all of a sudden you're like, whoa, that's not going to work for me. Like that sale was a 24 hour sale. I can't send it, you know, 48 hours after the sale ends. And so those issues start to pop up in a lot of spots. So anyway, Blue Shift really won me over with the way they architected, the way they designed it, the way they thought about the problem, the real problem, the mm -hmm. future problem, not mm -hmm. just email or mobile, but that customer engagement okay. needs to get a home, a mission control that you can do all the decisioning, all the orchestration, all the analytics. Mm -hmm. And that's super important for businesses. And so anyway, we got them in. Um, within three months, it just took off. And I remember internally, I had to like, I put my neck out a little bit because they're like, are you sure about this company? No one's ever heard of them before. I'm like, trust me, this is going to work. And well, and sure enough, it did, right? It In did. Three months, it, the, the revenue just skyrocketed so much wow. so, you know, our CMO at the time was like, yeah, after we got Blue Shift, it drove our revenue 40x what we were before, 4-0. Wow. And he said it literally became an, a risk to the business if things weren't operating well from that platform okay. because it was such a huge contri contribution to the revenue. Wow. So after two years of running it at LendingTree and seeing that growth, I said I had I had an opportunity to kind of expand, you know, new roles and thinking about new ideas. And I remember talking to VJ, our co-founder and CEO, and I said, Hey, I'm I'm looking at new opportunities. What do you is there anything at Blue Shift? And he got really excited. He said, Yeah, like come be our CMO, CGO, and you know, we would love to have you. And and so we were able to make it work. And and what's been great now, I've been at Blue Shift for over two years. It's been great to see the other side of the, the coin. Yeah. And you know, other companies that LendingTree was not the 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 oddity, the exception. All okay. almost all the companies that Blue Shift works with sees that same growth, sees that wow. same inflection point wow. that happens. And and I've really enjoyed working with them, talking with them, going through strategies, talking to our prospects, going through strategies and say, everyone's gonna get to the point that LendingTree already got to. It just depends where you are in that maturity curve. Mm -hmm. But or when you get there, you need a platform like BlueShift or you won't be able to, to actually like seize the opportunity. You'll be left behind. You'll be, anyway, you'll be so running, that's kind of how I got there. You'll be running SQL reports. Um, I remember <laughs> I read, I, <laughs> I read the, uh, the article that you, you posted a while back about this, uh, about this voyage into, uh, you know, from, from customer to, from customer to company. Um, and you mentioned that you'd, you'd broken any number of ESPs at previous yeah. companies. So like firsthand experience, like I know that you can't turn this thing into the engine for the business right. just because it wants to be there. How right. do you, um, I'm trying to figure out how to articulate this question. Well, um, it's not, it's, it's experience, it's instinct. But when you said what you said a minute ago about, you knew it would scale. Um, how'd you know? Yeah, it, that's a good question. And it's mostly mostly based on my experience mm -hmm. of working with other platforms and trying to do complex things at high scale and high velocity. Okay. That just doesn't work. I remember back in my travel days, we were trying to pull in, you know, um, real-time deals, like real-time hotel prices and hotel things for each person. Every single person would get an individual one. We said, hey, we have this algorithm that goes through, figures out where you live. People like that live where you live like to go to these places and where you traveled historically and kind of like build this, 
this module to say like, here, here's the hotel cities uh, for Matthew. Mm-hmm. And it would be for not just Matthew, but for like everyone and 10 million customers. Mm-hmm. And so very easy to do that if you have 100,000 customers. Hmm. Very hard to do that. And we also, by, by the way, we wanted to send it out in about two to three hours, right. the whole send. Right. And that's where the challenge happens. It's like that complexity of like getting very personalized content in your outbound message. Mm-hmm. Anyone can do that if you have 100,000 customers. Like that's not hard at all. But when you have a 10 million customers and you still want to do it within a two hour period, that is very hard. Because architecturally, there's a lot of computation that goes into all of that. Right, right. And if you didn't, if the company or the platform you're using didn't think about that velocity challenge, which is speed at scale, right? Mm-hmm. So very fast at a high number, mm-hmm. they just stop. They literally stop. They get to a certain point and they're like, uh, you're breaking down our systems. Yeah. And you're not the only one using them, right? So like there's other people using these systems at the same time. And now you've created a problem, not just for yourself, but for everyone else. Everybody else. Right, right. And, and, and I remember, you know, Sense would literally just stop. They just wouldn't go out. Wow. We get like a million, million through the Send and it would just stop. Huh. And we'd be like, well, what happened? They're like, <laughs> yeah, this database went down. This cluster went down over here. And we have to restart them. It's going to take, you know, hours. We're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We need to send this now. Yeah. Like this yeah. is yeah. not valuable two days later or eight hours later. It's not valuable anymore. Yeah. And, and we had to re-architect things. And they would, oh, we're going to add more s- support for you and more systems. But at the end of the day, it was foundationally, yeah. the architecture would never scale, right? At that level. Yeah. It just yeah. wouldn't ever do it. And, and until like NoSQL databases came around and other like more modern technology, like that were built to handle those types of use cases, yeah. like these legacy platforms are always going to struggle with. Yeah. Like they can't change, like you can't change your foundational structure, right? It's just too hard. And so I think that's like the big difference between kind of legacy marketing platforms and these new age platforms are, it's a total paradigm shift for the technology they're using to accomplish their goals. Well, you've got, you get, you know, you've got changes, you got uh, changes in, let's call it a more, more appropriate uh data data technology underneath there no sequel versus sequel being the the now classic example you've also got um s- scaled infrastructure that didn't exist right right you know right. 10 years ago it wasn't right. we'll we'll keep spinning up vms in the cloud to right. to deal right. with your send it was it was right. oh crap we need we need 2 years and, and 10 million bucks right. Right. <laughs> to build a exactly. data center to do this right so right. so that that helps but I think there are solutions. I know there are solutions that are that are misarchitected, sitting on cloud resources, who will suffer yes. that same scale challenge that you talked to. Yeah, and it's exactly right. So technology is only good if you know how to use it, right? And so that really comes back to your foundational mm. setup. Yeah, and yeah. what we found, and what I found in my research was a lot of even new age companies, you know, newer arrivals on the marketing platform scene the last, you know, several years, they, their genesis was not what they're trying to position themselves as now. Mm. Their genesis was generally like, oh, we're going to make a better version of email marketing. 
And so everything, so when that's your genesis and there's an opportunity to do that, right? We said, we're gonna make a better email marketing platform. Mm. They go out there, they make a good one. It's, it is better. It's better by all accounts than the old legacy ones, but it's still oriented only around maybe email. Mm-hmm. And so they make very foundational decisions. Like you need to have an email address mm. or you need, you know, you would only use this in email use cases. Mm-hmm. But when you start to say, well, customers are like, well, yeah, but I also want to do paid media. And I also want to do mobile push. All of a sudden, those foundational decisions they made start to limit how successful they can be in other areas right. because they didn't think about those areas. And now they're saying, well, we'll just create like a fake email address here and then we'll convert you over here. And all these kind of like, <laughs> yeah. you know, all these like, um, you know, hacks to kind of get where the mm-hmm. customer, so they can still sell it to the customers. Like, oh, don't worry about this behind the scenes. This works fine. But the problem is those customers eventually hit the limits, mm-hmm. hit the ceilings and say, yeah, no, it works great for email, mm-hmm. but doesn't work good for this, this, and this. Right. And right. And those ceilings. And so I think that's like when you're looking at stacks and evaluation of stacks, you have to think about like, what was their, what was their genesis? Mm-hmm. How did they really start? How are they thinking about the future and how do they architect their technology stack to handle that? And if they thought about it as completely omni-channel, right? Like one email is just as, as first class citizen, as mobile as Zendesk, you know, uh, support tickets, then you're like, Oh, okay. Then they're not going to have these limiting problems when Mm. I try to add a new channel that doesn't exist yet. that no one even knows about, right. They're not gonna have those limiting problems, but if they're like, Oh, I'm only a mobile marketing platform. You're like, Oh, they're going to have issues. Yeah. Right. They're going to have some challenges if they go beyond, if we try to use them beyond that. I'm 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 curious to delve into to some uh, some slightly more technical and esoteric bits about Blue Shift just based on what you said. Um, and, and if it's if you're a marketer only don't care about the tech uh, in the podcast audience, sorry, we're going to geek out a little <laughs> bit. But you've you've mentioned you've mentioned some other uh, platforms and solutions for particular things. Let's let's say Zendesk, for example, that that help address one of the ways you're interacting with customers and, and you guys talk, talk to that, plug into that. Um, you're not trying to provide the UI and the outbound and inbound for every possible function on the planet. Right. 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 Exactly right. Um, yeah, so, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask, um, so let's take mobile messaging. Um, you didn't rebuild you didn't rebuild what what uh, you know Twilio or someone like that right. does in terms of message send. Um, email outbound. You sit on top of various MTAs. You didn't yes. try and duplicate that. Okay, okay. Yes, that's, that's like, exactly right. Okay. So you know we really you know we brand ourselves as a smart hub CDP, and mm-hmm. the hub component's really important. It's a hub and spoke model. You know where where's the decision making, the creativity. The, the mission control need to live. Well, that needs mm-hmm. to live on one platform and that's BlueShift. Mm-hmm. But then the actual and the, the directions to execute, right? What to do mm-hmm. with those templates you've created, that can be in the best of breed delivery platforms mm-hmm. like a SparkPost or a SendGrid or mm-hmm. a Mailgun mm-hmm. for email, like a Twilio or Attentive or yeah. uh, for, for SMS, like a Zendesk or a Slack or a yeah. Salesforce. Okay. And there's going to be a, I mean, we have a, literally a litany of, you know, customer facing um, endpoints, mm-hmm. right? That, that, that we would never want to replace that. Oh, you need to do everything here yeah. because the value is creating the template, creating the messaging, creating the personalization saying, 
And now send that to Zendesk. Now send that to Slack. Now send yeah. that to Salesforce. And now a rep's going to log into Salesforce. They may never even know BlueShift exists, right? Yeah. They log yeah. into Salesforce and said, oh my gosh, here's all this relevant information okay. based yeah. that I need to act on. Yeah. Or an IVR system, like the IVR system, they, they pull up and they say, oh, these are the last emails. This is the last person time this person was the website. Well, all that data is coming from BlueShift being pushed into the IVR. Mm-hmm. The person's not using BlueShift. Mm-hmm. They're using the IVR. The mm-hmm. IVR is pulling, getting data from BlueShift. And then once they have that call and they say, oh, yeah, they want to talk to somebody, they're ready, you know, wherever that call disposition is, it can then go back into BlueShift and the marketing you know, journey and the orchestration, these customer engagement marketers say, hey, great, we got a person that's ready to talk to somebody. Yeah. Let's move them through this flow. Yeah. Right. Okay. So okay. it's kind of like you're the mission control of everything. Yeah. And you're using best of breed delivery applications that manage the MTAs, they manage the deliverability, they manage all that stuff. Yeah. And you're tapping into that. Well, and you're not, you're, you're a hub and spoke, but it's not one way. If I'm understanding the architecture right. correctly, right. it's like Zendesk knows more about me when I, when I call or email, but what I do via Zendesk is also going to come back Correct. into the 100%. mix, which is critical difference. Critical because if you don't have that unified view, consistent yeah. unified yeah. view of the customer, yeah. then you're making decisions on incomplete data. Yeah. Yeah. And you're back. Terrible. Yeah, and you're back you're to back that to out like of sync. One, you're back to this siloed or islands of engagement yeah. concept. You're like, oh, I know what the customer has done as long as they talk to me through the one channel I talk to them through. <laughs> yeah. But what if they talk to me through some other channels that I don't manage and don't know? Mm-hmm. Well, I could be actually giving them what I consider relevant information that's completely irrelevant to them mm-hmm. because they've moved on. They've done something different. So everything can flow back into BlueShift in a variety of ways very easily which gives you that that complete continuous view of the customer at every stage of their of their journey, which is critical critical for 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 us to do for customers to do that that you know continual engagement. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's uh, it's a bold vision. I, I can I can see why you got excited and eventually <laughs> jumped and move over there. I'm a, I'm 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 struck by the uh, differences between the industries you came from. Before yeah. doing this, I mean, travel, you know, it's in, incredibly volatile, you know, uh, inventory driven, a hotel room not sold tonight is, you know, is zero. Um, right. That's one clock cycle kind of industry. Mortgage, most mortgage companies, very, very different, stodgy, stuck, slow, all that other stuff. Probably not, you know, probably not landing tree when you were there, but um, like those are really different backgrounds. That's got to, that's got to, help put some context to your conversations with customers now. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, the thing that uh, I was very fortunate to kind of grow up and travel. I, first, I spent my first 10 years at Priceline.com, okay. then then acquired Booking.com and yeah. Kayak and Open Table, And so, and became the leading, you know, online, you know, travel agency yeah. in the world. Yeah. And I was there through all of it. Right. Oh, wow. And so I learned a lot at the seats of very, very smart um, and forward-thinking individuals. And you're right, travel is very interesting. The whole model of travel is distress inventory, right? Like you have dates. Yeah. And if yeah. that room didn't sell, well, guess what? It's, you can't sell it anymore. It's gone, yeah. right? Yeah. And so yeah. if, a, if a plane flew and it didn't have full seats, like it's it's gone, it's gone. right? Yeah. And so so it's very much that last minute concept is, is, is embedded in travel, right? Mm. And specifically in OTAs. And so we, you know, travel because of that, I think you get, 
faster onto that customer engagement maturity than maybe other companies mm -hmm. because you have to. I'd agree. You have yeah. to like hit people when it's relevant for them. Yeah. And travel, you know, contrary to popular belief, travel's not as frequent as people think. I mean, obviously the, the pandemic has definitely dampened that. <laughs> yeah. Before the pandemic, leisure travel, which is primarily what OTAs focus on, mm -hmm. um, you know, average person took two trips a year. Okay. You know, yeah. you know, that's average, right? And, you know, these once in a lifetime, big vacations, like those really do happen once in a lifetime. They don't happen right. every year. And right. a lot of travel is utility based, like going to someone's wedding or going to, you know, a, you know, baby's blessing or whatever it is. And, and so those things, um, we realized like you can't just say, well, this person travels a lot. We just use what they've done before. You had to think through a bunch of different things. And so it helped get us in travel. I think we, especially online travel, it was further along maturity. It was one of the first ones to adopt the internet mm -hmm. um, back in the mid nineties. And it was just like, you're faster on that maturity curve than maybe other, other industries. And what excited me about lending tree when I moved over there was it was just like travel, but just in a different vertical, right? So lending oh, okay. tree is an aggregator of loans. They're not a mortgage provider. Yeah. They're an aggregator. Yeah. They say, Hey, you're searching for what type of finance do you need? Yeah. Let's help you. I'll give you all the options. And then you go ahead and, you know, get your loan from, you yeah. know, this, this company, very similar travel. Travel doesn't own like OTAs. They don't own the hotels or the airlines. They say, where are you looking to go? And here are your options and go ahead and book. And so what exciting about lending tree was, they're very similar to travel in that aggregator space, but they were a little bit further behind in the maturity curve of using personalization, using that engagement model to really juice their their benefit, their their output. And the really the, the amazing thing was they have so much more data than travel companies. Yeah, do. yeah. Travel companies have very little amount of data. It's only related to like travel only. Where finance companies have a lot of historical lot. data about you as a customer because yeah. they need it, right? To be able to make the right decisions for you. And so I got very excited about that when I got to Lending Tree. I was like, oh my gosh, like you guys are sitting on so much. If I had that in travel, oh man, yeah. what could yeah. we do? <laughs> and, and so I was very excited and then I realized they weren't using it. Like yeah. they weren't using that data to actually help the customer. And one joke that that we've we talk about a lot at Blue Shift is first party data, customer data. And most companies only serves the company. It doesn't serve the customer. The customer, yeah, yeah. And that's the yeah, problem. Customers yeah. want it. They want. They, hey, I'm giving you all this data. Make sure my experience is better. Yes. You know, don't make me tell you who I am 20 times. Yes. You know who I am. Yes. Like let's just let's move on. You know, and, yeah, yeah. and so so that so that helped me. And Lenny Tree, I think, is an interesting model with just you know they are further along the maturity curve than maybe traditional banks mm -hmm. and, and oh, the, yeah. in the finance world, right? And so I think each industry has their own maturity curve and you'll see these challenger type brands that are pushing the envelope faster on how do we bring less distance between the customer and the experience, right? Mm -hmm. Like how do we make that like company and customer? And like you see all these challenger brands in a lot of different verticals. So like in finance, it's like the lending trees and nerd wallets in, you know, in, in retail, it's like the stitch fixes, right? Mm -hmm. Where you know, they're, they're not the traditional brick and mortar companies are challenging that. Right. And they're, and they're having success there. And anyway, so it's, it's, we love working with those types of challenger brands because they're much further along in the maturity curve. But we've noticed with the pandemic is the maturity curve has shortened for everybody oh, and people that people that, you know, maybe were going to get there in five years are trying to get there now. Yeah. Cause okay. they realized, Oh my gosh, digital, you know, online marketing, online commerce 
it can't be a second, third or fourth priority for us. It has to be number one priority or we're going to be out. Right. Because this pandemic told them like, yeah, what happens if no one can come to your stores anymore? Mm, what yeah. happens if distribution is all shut down? What then? And and that has definitely had an inflection point of all of these maybe companies, industries that were further behind in the industry, cur- the maturity curve of getting to where they need yeah. a platform like a blue shift has accelerated dramatically. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it certainly, certainly has changed everything, but it, uh, you know, you've been, you've been in the digital space a long time. So if I, it's like, Oh, you guys get a, you're going to have to play in my yeah. sandbox. Now you're like, you, you just don't have a choice because we're going to go for at least a year where that's your primary interface. Um, and we're not going to go back to, we're not, we're not going to go back to competing just on on the street or on the store experience or something like that. And I think re-reconciling those, figuring out what the what the brand website has to do with the store in the town and how those two serve each other and make the customer experience better yeah. is is going to be the trick shot. Um, and I think some of these uh, some of these entrants you're talking about, some of the you know more cutting edge, they'll, they'll probably grow like a rocket. And I think some of the established guys are going to kind of get their butts handed to them unless they, unless they catch up. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. sorry, <laughs> sorry, just got turned upside down and it's going to have to work that way. Um, it's got to be challenging both for blue shift and your customers to, to make that adaptation and say, this is now the hub. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, that's a lot of data to reconcile. That's a lot of um, no, no, no. You don't own the record anymore. We own the record right. and that kind of stuff. Can right. you talk to that a little bit? Sure. Well, they always they always own the record. So the customers always own their data. Blue never owns any of their data they put in their system, or it wouldn't work, right? right? So, so it's just more of a paradigm shift of how do you access the data? Yeah. Okay. And how do you use the data to make informed marketing decisions? And a lot of customers will say, "What." data do you need in the platform that need that is that needs to be used to make parking decisions okay we'll put that data in there we mm. may not put every single piece of data in there because there's some compliance or privacy concerns they may yeah. have yeah um and, and coming from the finance world we definitely had that lending true we're like okay we're going to put data in we need this data but we're going to obfuscate it so no one really knows what this data means except for the user of the platform, if okay. that makes sense. Okay, yeah. So there's yeah. different ways to do that. And there's a lot of encryption that goes on to like make sure privacy is, and compliance is, are comfortable, right? Because they have to be comfortable or marketing can't do their job. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other piece is a lot of times it starts with, you know, maybe half a dozen use cases a customer wants to do. And the nice thing about the BlueShift platform, it's very modular. So we say, hey... Here's your use case, and they all end up. They all all seem to be revolving around triggered email messaging. Great. Let's start there. Well, what data do you need in the platform to trigger stuff off of? Yeah. Oh, we need you know these types of events. Okay. Well, where do those events come from? Oh, they come from our website and our mobile app. Great. Here, put this you know put this uh, you know JavaScript code on your website. Yeah. This SDK in your app, and now we can stream it all into the BlueShift platform. And look how easy it is to say, okay, this event happened. Here's what, you know, the template you want to create. Here's the messaging you want. And they're creating profiles in that process. Mm-hmm. And that works really well. Like, oh my gosh, this is great. And then what ends up happening is you see that aha moment with them. And they say, wait a second, we can do this. Wait, can we also do this other part? Because like, we love to be able to talk to our customer service center mm-hmm. and, and tell them something like, yeah, sure. Let's add that in. Oh, and wow. so it kind of yeah. snowballs. 
Yeah. But they can get great success with limited use cases, which means it's limited amount of data they have to put in. Okay. And then as the use cases expand, the data needed to support those use cases also expand. And then all of a sudden, like, oh my gosh, our paid media team would love to be able to use this and not have to download CSV files and bug our SQL developers to give them like, <laughs> you know, like cell files every month. Yeah, yeah. Like, can you guys help us? Like, yeah, no problem. They can log in, they can do segments, they can push them to you know a bunch of different paid media places and have them automatically synced. And then inside mm-hmm. their the paid ad media uh, platforms, they can go and bid on those audiences. Like, oh my gosh. And so all of a sudden it starts snowballing, yeah. but they get value with simple use cases. Right. And then they can continue to expand. And all, many of our customers will start with us with fairly simple use cases. We make sure we cover them. And then two or three years later, they're using every single feature of the platform. Interesting. You know, maybe only five people would use the platform in the beginning. Now hundreds of people at the company are using that platform on a daily mm-hmm. basis. And so it has that ability to, to really shift. And I think part of that is that's the maturity of the company thinking about how they use this and getting comfortable with using this customer data in a platform that mm-hmm. they haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it actually, it makes a ton of sense. And you get the, um, you get the guy in customer service who actually realizes he benefits from the guys over in, I don't know, sales right. being plugged into the same things. Like he can do a better job of service. They can do a better job of sales. Like it, you, you start to get a, a win-win compounding yeah. effect. And I'm guessing that's the snowball that exactly you're, right. you're talking about, you know, that some of the tech sector is, is, is arguing over acronyms and labels and which one's ascendant. Much of what you described would have been what a CRM company said they were all about a decade or right. so ago. Right. right. But man, no, <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't work. Um, right. And for probably, a, for probably a, a ton of reasons, but I've yet to meet a, a CRM that in a go, oh, I hate this thing. Yeah. Right? It's like, yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny, like we hear that a lot. Like, what's the difference a CRM and a CDP? Yeah. Or a yeah. CMP or D, a DMP and a CDP. DMP, we, yeah. we have blog posts about this, but CRM and CDP, you're right. Like, CRM, like, well, that's what a CRM is. Like, well, no, it's not. A CRM no, is purely built to be manually adjusted and entered all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it's a, mostly a sales focused tool yes. to manage. Yeah very standard processes within a sales cycle, yeah, a yeah. lead to a opportunity, to a contact, to an account. Yeah. And as long as you play within that standardized structure, fine, it works. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. works great, right? And most, almost every sales org has CRMs, but marketers don't think that way. Yeah. Marketers think in campaigns, they think in predictions, they think in a bunch of different terms that aren't related to leads, contacts and accounts yeah. as much yeah. an opportunity. That's a sales function. Yeah. And most of the things that we notice is CDPs work on systems of data, high velocity of data, mm. where CRMs are actually working on low volume of data and yes. mostly manual intervention. Yeah. And you yeah. build up all these rules and, and use cases to make sure the manual, manual inputs follow a pattern so your CRM data is still clean, mm-hmm. but it's very different, right? It's just a very different mindset. And because of that, the CRMs are not built to handle the things that CDPs handle. Um, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. They're not, yeah. the architecture is completely different and the yeah. use cases are completely different. Yeah. And so we do see people like they sometimes because a CRM term yeah. has been used in a variety of different content, uh, con- contexts, 
you know, you hear like, oh, I'm in charge of CRM at a <laughs> consumer brand. And what they're really saying is I'm in charge of really customer engagement marketing, mm. not really customer relationship marketing, but they mm. don't really have that moniker correctly. Mm. And so they look for B2C CRMs. It's yep. a, a term that we see a lot. <laughs> and we say, yeah, we'll play on that term and we'll educate you. This is what that is. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that, what you're thinking is really a CDP, but you're calling it a CRM because you don't really know. And you don't want to be to be CRM because then you'll just use Salesforce and you realize that's not going to work for you. Right, right. And so like, that's what we need. And so like, there's some education in the market. I think in the last few years, it's gotten much better with like CDP coming much more standard of a term, but mm. there's still a lot of education on what you really need. Yeah. To, to, and what they mean when people say like, oh, I'm in charge of CRM or lifecycle marketing, what do they really mean? And what the platform, what they mean is they're in charge of customer engagement. That's what they really mean. Mm across all channels and CDPs are the platform to help them with that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, I'm going back a little bit to what you said about CRMs. Here's, here's another way, a funny way to get at it. Um, I was on a panel or a conference call or zoom call or something like that, maybe a month ago when uh Salesforce acquisition of Slack yeah. was, was announced. And we were batting it back and forth, and it was partially instinct. But I said, you know, you're taking the one of the most structured systems in the world, and one of the least, right? And trying to cram them together—that's going to be fun to watch, right? Slack right. is right. Bleh, topsy turvy. You don't know what's going to happen. Oh, add another channel, and it'll all be reconciled yeah. by a search. It's a mess, right? Yeah, structurally. Yeah. And yeah. Salesforce, by contrast. God, that's a lot of fields. Oh man, I hate yeah. that interface. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They're very, very, very different. Very different. Yeah. And it, and you know, your, the philosophy of Blue Shift sounds like yeah, we know you can't quite predict in advance what details are going to come out of you know Zendesk and service, and what details are going to come out of you know the booking engine or whatever else. Our job is to continue to make them coherent around that thing called the customer. Right. That's exactly right. It's exactly right. You need to be flexible and. And, you know, like Salesforce is a great example. It's, it's, it's rigid flexibility, if that makes sense, which means it's not. <laughs> oh flexible, yeah. Makes it right? it's, it's very rigid. And as long as you follow their construct, mm-hmm. you're fine, mm-hmm. but there's a limit to that construct. And, and it works well within their, their world of sales. Mm-hmm. But when you start to add in different pieces and, and what we've seen a lot in, in the world is um, in the industry is marketing clouds out there all started from one core Genesis product, right? Like if you look at Salesforce, they started as a sales CRM, Salesforce, right? And they're still really, really good at that. That's like their core. But because they got really big, you can generally grow easier through acquisition, right? So they start acquiring tons of other peripherals, rebrand them. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, the, the, the message they put out there publicly is, oh, it all works together. But we all know it doesn't, right? Because it's very foreign technologies trying to merge and mix. And it just doesn't work. Like yeah, you yeah. can't do that. Like yeah. the amount of architectural debt that they would have to do, yes. it would like outweigh the value of the acquisition. So no one does. They just kind of rebrand it, put some <laughs> nice slides and some, maybe some nice gooey things. Slideware. And, and they just kind of like say, hey, this is our new, this is our new offering, right? Yeah. Adobe does it, Oracle does it, Salesforce does it. And the problem is the customer suffers, right? Because the customer says, oh, I love your product, 
you know, that you're really good at. Yeah. Like Oracle, I love your databases or Adobe. Yeah. I love, you know, you know, your whatever is Omniture, which I mean, they essentially bought everything, but you know, I love the <laughs> product of yours. I guess I'll love everything you do. Mm. And the harsh reality is, no, what they've really invested their money in and their technology is their core product. And what mm. they're trying to upsell everyone that buys that core product is they get the whole suite, get the monolithic tier. Yeah. It'll yeah. work really well. And so many company customers come to us and say, I can't stand yeah. X, X, X. Yes. And yeah. it's all on one of these clouds. Yeah. And we're like, well, it's because it's not really X. It's something from 25 years ago that all the people that built it are long gone mm. and no one's really updated it. Yeah. At yeah. some point, they're just probably going to turn it off, right? <laughs> because it's not really doing well. And so you're going to be caught, you know, holding the bag. Mm. You want to move to a platform that was purpose built for what you need, you know, yeah. and integrate with the good parts of the clouds that you're using. But don't, you know, don't buy the, don't buy the, the fallacy of like this monolithic structure makes all your problems go away. Yeah. Like that's not yeah. true. Yeah. It, it's not true at all. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not going to pick on him too much, but I, you, I don't know if you were, if you don't rabbit hole in, uh, in email marketing, it might not hit your radar screen. But Oracle had acquired Bronto yes, a while back, sure. right? Now they're sure. shuttering, they're shuttering that, and there's a whole bunch they're of folks. End, end of life, yeah. End of life, they're they're suffering exactly what you just outlined. Like, yeah, yeah last guys are gone. We're gonna we're gonna shut this off. Uh, right. Feel free to move over if you like. Uh, you know, if if not, bye bye. And yeah, like exactly. we've got a campaign genius, we've got a we've got a customer. I sent them that announcement. I saw it, yeah. and I went, "Oh man, uh, hey, uh, did, did you know that this is about to happen?" <laughs> like, oh man, and a year yeah. is not that much time yeah. Yeah. to make that shift. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, and it's the, the 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 nature as as the digital sector matures at least a bit. If you've got a strong foothold, you know, if you are the CRM in a company and you think there's a chance to help them do more and better by bolting on these other pieces. It sounds like a good proposition, but I tend to right. agree with, with your thesis that <laughs> it's not necessarily going to work uh, right. just because you say it's bolted together. Yeah. And, and the other thing that I've noticed and having lived through some of it is they, they, <laughs> they almost hit you twice. They go out, they hit you first and say, hey, this all works super well. All mm -hmm. mono, like one system to control them all. You're already using some of our products. Let's, 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 you know, use more. You'll get the full suite. We'll give you a good discount. Mm -hmm. And they say, and don't worry, we'll make sure it all works. We have all these service hours you can buy, all these consultants that can help you, all these agencies that have done it before. And they bring in this external agency or two that says, we specialize yeah. in this type of thing. And now you're like, wait. I had to pay for the platform and now I had to pay for another consulting firm to come in and, make it and teach me how to integrate and use the platform. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Now this just got really complicated and are we sure it's even going to work? Yeah. And, and I've, we've heard from so many companies like, yeah, we went through that. Like we went through it. We got that. We got their platform. We got their whole thing. They locked us in. Then we got this consulting firm that came in they charged us an arm and a leg. Mm. And guess what? Eight months later, we still haven't launched. Yeah. We're still yeah. sitting here. Yeah. And yeah. now we're super frustrated, you know, and, and now our executive team's really pissed and they're saying, why are we spending all this money on this, on yep. these companies? And, yeah. and it really comes from like, don't buy that, that, that thesis. Don't buy, don't buy into it. If you're, if you're an up and coming marketer, up and coming brand, you don't want to buy the car that's 50 years old that has a new paint job. 
This is not going to run as well as a brand new car. It may look similar, but it's not going to run as well. And you won't know it until you're too, until you're too, until it's too late. Hmm. And so we deal with that all the time. I mean, hmm. all the time we have people coming to us and saying like, I, you know, cannot stand such and such, you know, marketing cloud. Right. And we say, all right, yep. Which one, which one did you buy? You know, and right. let's go through it. And they're like, yeah, it just doesn't scale and it doesn't work. And we spend all this time and resources and can't get campaigns out the door. And, and, and we empathize with them and say, Hey, well, let's, let's show you a different option. Like it's something that will work a lot easier for you. Like, Oh, this is amazing. This is so much better. So nice. Nice. Well, for sure. And, you know, back to the pandemic for a second, as, as we've, as we move more and more interactions and conversations into some digital channel, um, the notion that, that we could purpose build a system that's going to cover all those unanticipatable (laughs) interactions and bring them back and reconcile them and make sense of them so that, you know, as a business, I know my customer better. I'm talking to them better. Um, Right. That's, 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 that's a tough thesis. It's a, it's a, it's a tough lift. I mean, we, we yeah. never imagined how much stuff we'd be collating already. Right. 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 Yeah. And that's the thing, right? Like one of the theses that, that our founders had was the amount of data that customers produce mm-hmm. is growing exponentially and will continue to grow Yeah, exponentially. Yeah. Right. And so they thought about that and like, the amount of customer data that customers are giving or producing to companies will continue to grow. And there's going to hit a point where they customers expectations will also rise with the amount of customer data they're providing. Hmm. And if companies don't take that customer data and reciprocate the, the expectations and provide the better, easier, simpler experience, Hmm. then customers will not be loyal anymore. And they'll start to go and find companies that do that. And so they thought about that problem and says, you need to build a truly agnostic omni-channel hub Hmm. that surrounds around that customer data. And companies will either adhere to that policy Mm -hmm. or they're going to be left behind. Hmm. And and we've had legislation and privacy issues happening, right? Yeah, Yeah. Which almost says customer data is okay. If you give people the options to manage it correctly, well, a lot of companies don't have even the ability to give them that option, right? So customers are not opposed to giving data to companies. They just want to make sure it's secure, Mm -hmm. it's handled in the way they want it to be handled, and it's used to benefit them, not the company. Right. And that's the biggest thing. We always talk about the single view of the customer, but it needs to be the single view for the customer. The customer has to think about well put. every time I talk well to this put. company, yeah. they know who I am. Like yeah. they, they yeah. talk to me, they know who I am. They know what I've done. They know what I like. And they know me better than I know myself. Mm. And they're using AI in the right way to make my experience with them better, mm-hmm. easier, mm-hmm. simpler. And those companies are catapulting the yeah. competition, yeah. just yeah. leapfrogging them. Yeah. And more and more companies... The big companies that have tons of data, they have the biggest opportunity, the biggest risk. If they don't adopt this type of mindset, hmm. they're going to be left behind. And well, you 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 touched on a point I was hoping we'd get to, just because it 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 seems so germane to to Blue Shift. You know, as as we're starting to uh, recognize that data and and privacy are, are one of the things that we have to revisit as the as the digital. Um, 
ecosystem matures. And I would think one of the value props that you could walk into a into a prospective customer with is we can actually help you do a better job staying right. on top of that. Right. Like the, the regulatory exposure, the risk that companies with a zillion silos have is kind of yeah. scary. It's super scary, right? Because now there's there's fines, there's there's literal yeah. Yeah. risk. Yeah, yeah. You know? And it used to just be an email. That used to be where the big risk was with can right. spam and all that right. stuff. And right. you said, hey, listen, email, if I opt out and you keep sending to me, yeah. Bad news, like you're not respecting my my opt-in preferences. Yeah. And honestly, you could be fined by can spam, right? And that law was a long time ago, but it never applied to like advertising or mm-hmm. display or mm-hmm. personalization. But mm-hmm. now it does, right? Yeah, Cookies. Yep. Yeah, 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 and so, yeah. you know, email systems and customer, well, all I have to worry about is one flag. And you know what? The ESP will handle that for us, no problem. Well, yeah, but what about all these other flags you have to worry about? And what about someone that says, I don't want you to use my data at all? Mm-hmm. Like forget me completely. Forget, forget me, me completely. Yeah, you wow. Know, completely forget me. Like I don't want not don't not just stop tracking me from now on. Forget everything you ever knew about me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, how are you going to do that in a system? That? You have like, well, I have data pieces all over you. Yes. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, in Blue Ship, it's literally one call. He said, no wow. problem. Forget forget the user. They're forgotten. Wow. Like just like that. Yeah. You know, and Amazing. and they have all these privacy abilities now. That actually help our compl- the compliance teams at these various companies say, oh, thank goodness, we yeah. have one place to manage yeah. this. That's we big. don't have to manage this in a variety of silos because the risk is pretty high, yeah. right? The risk is pretty high. And you know that these legislation, um, they're looking for scapegoats. They're looking for people to say, hey, these people are not following. It only takes one or two. Yeah. And then everyone's like, oh, shoot, we make sure we have to get our, <laughs> our ducks in a row. Yeah. And, and, and so it does help a lot with that, to your point. It makes it so much easier for the compliance side of the house to say, here's our system. Here's yeah. how we do it. Here's how we manage it. Here's the history. Here's all the audits. Like so easy for them to do it. And then, and then say, Hey, no, we've, we're, we're compliant. Here's all the evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that, that old fashioned phrase system of record, I mean, it actually really, it really does apply here. In yeah. terms of the customer system of record is, is going to sit in blue shift for, That's for right. your, for your customers, which is, which is a big deal. You know, the, um, that recent, uh, the the recent dance between Reddit and stock markets over uh, right. over GameStop. Right. I'm waiting for someone to realize that they could they could tie a large company in some pretty serious knots just by saying "forget me." Yeah, like the cost yeah. of a "forget me" operation. This is going to be pretty darn high. Pretty high, and yeah. you don't have a you know from a legal regulatory perspective, you actually don't have an option to say no. We're not going to do that. So you right. have to say yes. Right. Wow. Right. Yeah. If yeah. if a whole bank of consumers gets ticked off at company X and says that's it, we're all going to write in and say forget me. <laughs> yeah, it's going to grind right. a stop, isn't it? Right, and I think I think that's the secret is how to get customers that don't want you to forget them. Right. Yeah. And you have to provide the experiences like, no, no, I don't want you to forget me. Like Netflix, and please never forget me, Netflix. Mm -hmm. Like my life would be very hard. Amazon, please never forget me. Yeah, absolutely. Please never forget me. In fact, know more about me, right? Like make things easier for me. (laughs) And the reason we say Netflix or Amazon, like don't ever forget me is because my life would be so much harder if you forgot me. Right. If you forgot me, all of a sudden my life would be really hard. Things they made things very easy, very Mm -hmm. simple very friction free. Yeah. And a lot of companies just don't do it. Yeah. And so the, the companies will say, yeah, forget me. Or the people are like, 
continue to provide poor experiences <laughs> to their customers, yeah. even though they have tons of options and data to make that experience so much better and they just don't do it. Yeah. Those are the companies that are going to be like, you know, I'm done with you guys. I'm done with like trying to introduce myself a million times. I'm done with like standing on hold forever and not getting resolutions. I'm done with like not finding the, like the products I want. Like I'm done. Right. I'm going to take my business to a different company that sells the same things as you guys, but treats me like a real customer and a real yeah. human and knows who I am. Yeah. And like, that's the risk, right? So it's not like, well, how do I make sure I can make all the compliance? It's like, well, how do you make sure that you don't want customers to forget you? Yeah. Like they, they don't want to be forgotten. Well, that's very, uh, that's very, that's very well put. And by the way, you, you, hold, you hold the record now. I, I, I've got this little internal measuring stick, which is how long into a conversation before Amazon comes up? <laughs> and you you win so far because we've actually right. realized that i just tied up a whole hour of your time learning about blue shift but we didn't actually talk about amazon until until an hour <laughs> and yeah uh, you know i'm always delighted when amazon comes up i mean i'm in the northwest i've watched amazon just go zaboom my amazon yeah. account is from 1997 and it's the yeah. same account and I right. don't want them to forget me. To your point, right? I really right. don't want them to forget me. But they've 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 pioneered in a in in so many good ways uh, that it's fun when it when Amazon pops up because you can go, wow, they do that well, and wow, they do that really well. And it's right. you know it's hard to throw a rock and say they don't do that very well. I'm not. I think their I think their email game could use some improvement personally. Um, yes. uh, but. You know, we'll, we'll we'll knock on their door and, and help them with uh, help them with that content at some other point. Um, I should wrap up though and respect your time because I'd said let's talk for half an hour and here we are an hour in and it's actually been <laughs> fascinating. Um, who's? I'm sure you span a ton of industries, but who are the? You know, if someone's listening to this and wow, I need to learn more about that company. Like, who's the real sweet spot in terms of companies that become blue ship customers? Yeah, and that's the, that's one of the great things about Blue Ship is we didn't we didn't focus on a specific vertical. Yeah, like you'll find that a lot of platforms are like, "Hey, we're the retail marketing platform," and every yeah. customer's retail, all their use cases are retail. And again, they've made architectural decisions, platform decisions for only that mm -hmm. vertical, mm -hmm. which means there there's a ceiling on what they can really do. Blue Ship didn't do that. Blue Ship is very agnostic on vertical, so. We have deep, deep experience uh, with retail mm -hmm. companies like Stitch Fix and, mm -hmm. and e-commerce like Slick Deals and others um, that use our Slick platform. Yeah, Slick Deals is one of our customers. Stitch Fix is a customer of ours. Um, also more retail like James Allen or Tuft & Needle that are more kind of like considered purchase jewelry and you know mattresses and you know the whole Serta Simmons mm -hmm. Beauty uh, <laughs> companies are, are, part of, are part of that. So retail is a big focus of ours. Media is a big focus. So streaming media like Discovery Channel yeah. and all of their subsidiaries like HGTV and Animal Planet and all those uh, guys are part of and, D and Discovery Plus now are all part of Blue Shift. Yeah. Um, and so they use us in a variety of media formats as well as BBC and others. Um, and then finance is very big for us. So like LendingTree, NerdWallet, Smart Asset, ClearScore in the UK yeah. and a lot of really big um, financial companies. And then e-learning is another big vertical of ours. Uh, Udacity and Skillshare and Brainly and Brain Pop and Class Dojo, um, you know, are all customers, and those those span the gamut of, you know, um, you know, e-learning from a 
uh, let me, you know, self-educate myself and, yeah. you know, get a nano degree on Udacity or something to education management inside, you know, K through 12 schools like Brain or like uh, Cross Dojo and Brain Pop do. Wow. And so we run the gamut and that's B to C as well as B to C to B or B2B to C, um, where we work with businesses as well as consumers yeah. uh, on, a lot of those, on all those uh, industries. So I would say those are some of our biggest ones that we, right. we really um, work with. So retail, media, finance, e-learning, but really, and then healthcare. We, you know, Kaiser Permanente is a customer. Really? Healthcare.com is a customer. And so AMN Health is a customer. So there, there's a lot of... Um, a lot of a lot of companies in healthcare have also struggle with the same issues that finance struggles, highly regulated, um, and so it's great. It's great to see the platform be able to adjust mm-hmm. whatever the use cases are from the customer. The platform can use can work super well with those use cases, just like it works well with you know typical you know maybe e commerce use cases, which are more maybe standard. Yeah, yeah. Um, healthcare's not standard. You know, it's very complicated. Well, and, and we're and, able to work well with those companies as well. And you, 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 you buried the lead, pal. Um, you're HIPAA compliant. You just implied yeah, that. HIPAA compliant. HIPAA wow, compliant. that's a big deal, yeah. right? That's a really big deal. And talk about you really need to keep track of, uh, take care of the customer record. Like, that's right. You know, that's my gallbladder in there. I really that's, want you to pay, right. right? I don't want that's you to lose right. track of that. Wow. Right. Wow. Fascinating. Okay. One more minute. Okay. Yep. We do speed round? Speed round. Let's do it. Okay. Dogs, cats, both or neither? No dogs, no cats. I have five children, which I think grants me uh, amnesty from any yeah, pets. Yeah, yeah. But you have five I, kids I, and they haven't been lobbying for a dog? They've been lobbying constantly for a dog. We tell them we have five children and they're all very close in age. So we have five kids, ten, eight, age 10 and under. Oh, wow. Um, and so our last two are twins. And so we said, hey, you know, once you're 18, you can get a dog. And that's been our standard with our kids. Like when you're 18, you can have a pet um, and you can take care of it. But until then, mommy and daddy choose if we have pets or not. And we've right. chosen no pets because we've over-indexed on, on the human pets that, we, that, are run, that run around our house constantly. <laughs> That's enough. That's enough siblings where you might not miss the dog, right? That's right. Take that's your right. little sister out for a walk. Wow, that's that's wonderful. I, a big family like that is a treat. I yeah. uh, my wife's from a big family. Um, last speed round question: uh, favorite or or current favorite book or author? Oh man, that's a good one. Um, I'm currently reading Snowball, the the biography about Warren Buffett. So I find that pretty fascinating. I'm a big fan of Warren Buffett and just kind of his philosophies mm-hmm. on life and his philosophies in business. I'm a big fan of Malcolm Gladwell uh, Glad- Gladwell yeah. books. So I've yeah. read almost all of his books. Um, the last one, Talking to Strangers, I found very be very insightful. I read that one. Okay, um, that's a good one. It came out maybe a couple of years ago. Very insightful. Very cool. Very interesting. So, um, but I'm a I'm a sucker for nonfiction. So I love yeah. kind of nonfiction, you know, business, psychology, marketing type books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tend to read, you know, several of those, uh, you know, every year uh, just to kind of, you know, stimulate my mind. So anyway, those are, those are some that I like quite a bit. The, 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 the book and author has turned out to be a real gem in, in the speed round questions that we, we sort of made up when we were putting this together because people really, people really uh, engage that question. 
Like, yeah. And they almost, almost you know, looks up, looks up and left and goes, and then they come up with this and then they add this and then they add this. And, and I've been jotting notes. I'm getting one heck of a, a reading list from these conversations with yeah, people. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Well, it's great. well, terrific. Well, my, my guest for this wonderful hour has been Josh Francia, chief growth officer at Blue Shift. You can find Blue Shift at blueshift.com. And Josh, thanks so much for the time. Absolutely. Thank you, Matthew. Great talking to you. Hi, Dr. Matthew Dunn here. Thank you so much for listening to the future of email. If you're an email industry exec or marketer and you're interested in being a guest, please apply at campaigngenius.io slash future of email. If this interview was useful for you, please consider sharing it. Grab a screenshot and post it and text it. And of course, email it to your friends. If you know someone who you think would be a good guest, tag them in your post and include the hashtag future of email. I really appreciate seeing guest suggestions. It helps us a ton to keep the show interesting. We do put out new episodes and new content fairly regularly. To keep up, I would suggest subscribing. Your sharing, your rating, your reviews are the key to promoting to the show and they mean a ton to me and to the team here. If you want to know more, go to our website, campaigngenius.io slash future of email or Follow me on LinkedIn. Search for Dr. Matthew Dunn. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.